This is Dave Arnold, your host of Cooking Issues, coming to you live from the heart of Manhattan in New York City. Rockefeller Center, Newsstand Studios, joined as usual with John behind me. John, how are you doing? Doing great, thanks. Yeah? Yeah. Everything good? Yeah, peachy. Really? Yeah, going great. It doesn't sound like it. I don't feel it. Eh, I mean, you know, it's, I don't know, it's my Monday, so I'm just easing into the week, I guess. Are you one of those guys that's uh, kept down by the weather? You don't like bad weather? I don't really care. Oh, good, that's good. Fine. So yeah. that's why Nastasia can tolerate working with you, because she hates people that care about the weather? Oh, I, I, I guess. What do you, Nastasia the Hammer Lopez, you're there in California, right? Yep. Yeah, don't you hate people that, that change their life based on how the weather is? I do. I do. Yes, I hate it. Yeah, yeah. You're like, oh, you can have a good time now because the weather's good? Weak, right? Weak. So weak. Yeah, especially in New York City where we're not about the weather. What are you going to do? I'm going to go surfing here. The hell? Uh, got uh, Jackie Molecule's not with us today, unfortunately. Where, where is Jack? Is he doing something fun at least, Nastasia, or is, is, he, uh, is he laid up in bed somewhere? He's at... He's at South by Southwest. Oh. Okay, listen. I have to say something. We'll, we'll, we'll get into it. We'll, we'll, we'll come back. We got uh, Joe Hazen rocking the panels. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. Good to see you. Good to see you as well. And uh, our special guest, Homer Murray, restaurateur and chef, uh, Brooklyn and Manhattan. Again, uh, extraordinaire of uh, 21 Greenpoint. Formerly of Ombre Taco here in Rockefeller Center, which we'll talk about uh, in a little bit. And the newer... 21 Greenpoint here. Welcome. Thank you. Welcome. Pleasure to yeah. be here. A lot of mutual friends, but we've never met. I know. It's Which nice is... to make your acquaintance. Yeah, yeah. So if you're listening live on the Patreon, call in to 917-410-1507. That's 917-410-1507. Now listen, have any of you been to South by Southwest or South by as the, they call it? No, I think I missed that boat 20-something years ago, right? You know what? That's a boat that you are... So... Oh, okay. Listen, I know everybody loves it. Everyone's yeah. like, oh, you love it, right? I'm like, Nah. No, it sounds terrible. I, I mean, mean, like, yeah. you know, Nastasia, you'd probably like it because, like, you can go see all those bands and stuff. But, like, in terms of eating, it's just one big line. Mm -hmm. It's just one giant line. I hate lines. Yeah, I hear you. My dad likes to go. He goes, like, he gets to cut the line. So it's not fair. That's <laughs> not fair. Like, that's why, like, uh, like, I, you know, I don't mind going to some events if I know that I can just be like, come on. Like, if I know the people who are, like, running, I'm like, come right. on, come on. I mean, like, I feel I, bad cutting, but on the other hand, I'm not, I hate lines. I just hate, I, I don't like uh, events that descend upon a city, an otherwise peaceful town. You know what I mean? If I lived in Austin, I would dread that time of the year more than anything. I think that, pe I know some, I have some friends of mine live in Austin, and I think that they actually like it, kind of. Because well, they, they can go the home. the excitement they get. They can go home. They don't have to stay in an Airbnb. Right. And, you know, if they want to go home and eat something that they bought at a supermarket, they don't have to wait an hour and a half for, like, half of a breakfast burrito. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. I mean, The breakfast burrito, though. Gosh. Uh, well, you know, <laughs> I don't know if you know this. Uh -huh. Austin invented the breakfast burrito. Yeah, I heard about that. They invented a lot of things that I thought had been around for a long time. <laughs> I like Austin. Austin's Austin. Hey, Stas, did you ever go uh, when we were doing the, the Austin crap? Did you go with us? No, no, I didn't go with you. Mm, all right, all right. We have a mean one in Brooklyn for brunch. If you ever need a breakfast burrito, oh yeah. Before. So what what uh, what makes a good breakfast burrito for you? Um, we have great tortillas. Yeah, uh, nice flour tortillas that a friend of mine makes, and it's just simple. You know, there's nothing crazy about it. Oh, is it? There's one guy. I uh, what's his name? The, the guy who makes the fl the good flour tortillas. I here? think so. No, he he is the chef. His name's Nicky Nicky Gorgeous. He's the chef of a place called SFBK, which is in Williamsburg. And uh, he's from Arizona, so he's sort of passionate about it. And uh, yeah, that's that's the building block to any good burrito, right? Yeah. Does he uh, does he use the the Hayden uh, the Hayden Mills? I'm not sure about his Sonora? process. Yeah, uh, but I know. 
that flower yeah. is like uh it's like super expensive. Okay, mm-hmm. look, look. It's expensive as flour goes. Yeah. It's not expensive compared to steak. Right. You know what I mean? But yeah. it's very expensive compared to flour and it's milled by um Oh my god, her name's out of my it went out of my head, but she has a book on, on milling and her, she uses primarily white Sonoran wheat mm-hmm. and when you add milk to uh, not milk, we add water to white Sonoran wheat to make a uh, to make a dough, it almost smells like cereal milk. Yeah. It's got this amazing kind of aroma mm-hmm. and it's got a, like it's just a perfect texture for flour tortillas with like, you know, a little bit of lard up in that piece, right. you know, and uh, it's uh, Doesn't take much. No. Yeah. No, lard, water, salt, Flour, yeah. winning. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, but it, it took me many years to appreciate a good flour tortilla because the ones, you know, I was like, you know, I've been exposed to really good corn tortillas, but I'd never really been exposed to excellent flour tortillas. Same. Although, you know what? Like, you've been in New York a long, long time. Born Do you remember here. that place, Fresco? Yes, absolutely. That, those were not terrible. No. Yeah. Gosh, I hadn't heard that. Really in a while. good flower tortillas at Yellow Rose. Yeah, yeah. Yellow Rose is a yeah. great uh, really version. Delicious. Then, and they just opened this little place next to Yellow Rose. The Taco Bell looks yeah. great. Yeah, I gotta try that. <laughs> Charming. Artisanal taco. Yeah, 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 yeah. It might be a cantina. Yeah. <laughs> do they actually have something called Taco Bell Cantina? They do. Yes. I've never been to one, but they sell booze. Really? Yeah. yeah. Here in New York. There um, are a few in New York. Yes. 36 and 6. Yeah. There you go. Like booze, booze. They have a full license. I have probably a frozen margarita or something along those lines. Yeah, okay. but yeah liquor. Yeah. You know what? I've just been working on frozen margaritas recently. I've been working right? on frozen drinks. Yeah. I'm trying to get uh, my pr- frozen drink program up. So yeah? I might need your help. Well, what's, what's been your issues with it? I don't have one. <laughs> <laughs> Look, the issue with it, I think, is that, like, uh, the frozen machines that most people are using, like, it, it's a, it's a trick. Look, People love the frozen drink machines because, you know, pull and pay, pull and pay, money, 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 right? right? But they don't get cold enough, right? Well, in general, people are doing really, really high sugar levels, like 12 13%, -hmm. 14%, and low alcohol levels. And they're getting very long, um, you know, it, it takes a long time for it to melt because it doesn't have a lot of alcohol. Whereas, like, a lot of my old recipes were, like, you know, 13 14% alcohol and... They come out when they're really cold. They come out like a perfect slush, but they melt, you know. Right. And I, I drink them so quickly, it doesn't sure. matter. But, like, they end up, like, kind of slushing out. So, like, I would have low sugar, high alcohol. So, I've been working on trying to do kind of a middle-of-the-road situation where, you know, you're still over 10%, like, just over 10% at or just over 10% alcohol. So, the backbone's still there. And just knock the sugar down a little bit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you get a good, you get a good, uh, you get a good melt, uh. Get a good melt rate. Cool. Yeah. Well, we'd love to have you over. And yeah. Talk about it a little more. Ah, definitely. Well, you know, the trick is also like, it's like what size machine? Like, yeah. like, you know, yeah. uh, I think the mistake people made, I'll never forget. Uh, I was, uh, I had done a bunch of uh, stuff for Tales of the Cocktail with frozen machines. I was using El Meco machines, which mm-hmm. is a machine, but they rented some like, you know, crappy little miniature air cooled daiquiri machines. So for anyone who cares about refrigeration, like the question is, is it going to be, first of all, how much power are you going to put into it? And secondly, is it air cooled or water cooled? Yeah. Right. And air-cooled machines, there's only so much power you can get out of them. Uh, but, you know, you're like, no one can afford, in a, in a restaurant, to add a, a frozen drink program. You're like, i got to put in a freaking 220 line. i got to water-cool that sucker? Yeah. And where am I going to put it? It has to be countertop. So everyone ends up with, everyone ends up usually with a 120 air-cooled machine. Mm-hmm. And there's limits, hard limits, to what a 120 air-cooled machine can do. Mm-hmm. And I think the other mistake uh, that people make is, is that, because I, I had to run this, we all did this event. None of us had ever done frozen drinks before. This years ago in New Orleans. Hot as 
hell, New Orleans in July. They rent them all from some Mardi Gras garbage company. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're, not, they're good people. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Sure, well, I, know. I don't know. Yeah. Trash, Might not be, though. Human trash cans. Yeah, I don't know. Like you know what it. I mean? Yeah. Anywho, so we get all these machines, and then, you know, we all dump our batches in, and they all freeze down. All of us. Like, like 30 people. And then... As soon as we start drawing and putting back in, they all right. whew, water out. And so, like, that's when I learned, got to keep your batch frozen. Mm-hmm. Got to keep your batch frozen. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have something right next to your machine to keep your batch pre-frozen, you're toast. Yeah. You're, you're absolutely toast. Especially because, you know, if you're busy, you pull five of them, you know, so, ah, give me five. Yeah. Then you dump five drinks in. You say, well, we've got 20 minutes for the next one, folks. Right. You see a lot of that. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, uh, you know, right. easily rectified by just having like a cheap, you know, a cheap a uh, freezer yeah. thing. And just, or yeah. even like we used to have, um, uh, at existing conditions, we had a freaking, uh, what's it called? A, uh, uh, just a, like a, you know, one from PC Richards, like a little like. Oh, like a dorm room kind of situation? Yeah, yeah, f- yeah. freezer only, like, yeah, you know, right, under right, counter. Right. And then we we weren't, didn't have a drink machine, but we could load frozen stuff out of it. Yeah. You know, or like, you know, extremely fancy ice or whatever crap we didn't want to go bad. You know, you're sitting mm-hmm. there watching dollar ice cubes go yeah. in the in the ice well and you're like, you know, uh, Christ. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, so this is the part of the show where we discuss anything interesting that happened uh, last week in, in the food or otherwise world. You guys got anything? Anyone do anything interesting in the food world? I went to Yellow Rose and it was delicious. Oh, uh, there yeah. you go. Right. Yeah. yeah, it's right by my house. <laughs> yeah? Go, yeah, I super. go pretty regularly. Yeah, it's nice. I've never, I've never been, so give me the, give me the scoop. Uh he used to work for Brooks at Superiority, um, and then he's from Texas originally and decided to open up this place with his wife that does phenomenal Tex-Mex food. Really, really, really good. I think he even, the chili that, one of the chilies that they used to do at Superiority Burger, he used to make, and it was the recipe he got, or he got second place with at the Texas State Chili Cook-Off and as a vegetarian submission, too. Well, 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 let me ask you this. Yeah. Was there a vegetarian category? I don't know. I think he submitted it with all the meat dudes. I don't believe that. Not yeah. even for a second. Let me, Just because have, I don't I, know. Have it you, was really delicious. Have you ever? I'm not Let saying that. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not saying that. Have you ever hung out with Texans? A little bit. And you think that a non-beef based recipe I in mean, a in a beef based category? Maybe you didn't tell him. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. It's your chance. You know what it was? You know what the main ingredient is? Psilocybin mushrooms. There you go. <laughs> right, 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 right. I don't know. You know what I mean? It's like, so they're like, oh man, this beef. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because they're, right. they're hallucinating into thinking there was beef in there mm-hmm. because you can't. Is it got meat analog or is it a bean chili? It was a bean chili. See, I, um, the honor, oh. great honor to bean chili. Yeah. Oh my God. Here's a food story. Don't do. So over the summer, I went to Maine. I bought, you know, you go to Maine, you buy weird beans. Sure. Right? So like you know I got, I'm at a roadside stand you mm-hmm. know you know way up way up near uh, uh, Acadia National Park I go in I'm like where are the beans and they're like Prr. and then like I go in and like all these little sacks of weird beans you never heard of. Lowe's Champion early and inside is Graham Saturday beans like one of those old like courier typewritten recipes I'm like, ah, I try it mm-hmm. and it's weird because the standard bean recipe you you soak well, I'm not gonna get into soak I don't care anyway but you soak it. Then you pre-cook it until, you know, you do the thing and the, the beans are almost par done. And then you bake it for a while, right? But Graham, in her infinite wisdom, with this Lowe's Early, which is specifically was this, because her other beans had different recipes in it. Just cooks them straight for like five hours. No pre-cook. Like that. At 250. 
it's good. I was getting nervous because at like four hours, they were still kind of hard. And I was mm-hmm. turning them over so the ones on top would go underneath. And they weren't breaking. It was really good. And, you know, around five hours, they, they, you know, they finally softened up. You know, no acid, no gussying, just a small amount of molasses, mustard, salt, no freaking pepper, mm-hmm. onion, no freaking garlic, piece of salt pork. I have vegetarians coming, so I left it out. I had some nutritional yeast to try to boost it a little bit because I didn't have the pork. Uh-huh. And I added a little bit, even though salt pork's not smoked, I added a little bit of hickory smoke powder just to make up for the fact I didn't have the pork. Gotcha. Don't judge. No, none. Anyway, I have a, a technique I use now with beans where what I do is I cook them in excess liquid first, let them cool a little bit, add beano, knock all the farts out of it, and then do my reduction cooking mm-hmm. afterwards once mm-hmm. it's been defarted. Mm-hmm. And then now, so I'm used to being like bean champion because I'm like, I can eat anything without like getting sick, but the bacteria in my gut are as strong as I am in terms of what they can tolerate. And mm-hmm. so they'll just, right. you know, they'll blow me apart. Gotcha. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's a nice problem to have. Yeah, yeah. Or like, you know, like, you know, like Nastasia is with uh, what's it called? Jerusalem artichokes, where she likes to, you know, mm. she likes to expand her her friends' bottom sides with uh, with gas. That's one of your favorite tricks, right, Stas? No, she's not in my twenties. <laughs> that was not even your twenties. This was like six years ago. Yeah. Anyway, so. I follow Graham's recipe to the T mm-hmm. and I ate it like I had defarted it. And I have not been in so much pain from a recipe. <laughs> I was like, I will never cook beans like that again without doing the defart technique or just eat fewer. Right. Who wants to eat fewer? <laughs> yeah. That's not, a, that's not a compromise. That's not, it's not right. Yeah. Cause I had made like the shaksuka for everyone else, but they were going so hard on the shaksuka that there was almost none left. Mm-hmm. I eat it for dinner. Call me in. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Whatever crap on you i can eat it for dinner it's not only for breakfast john no okay yeah yeah no. shaksuka's welcome any time of the yeah, day absolutely. right certainly right yes and, yeah why are you turning around and yelling at me because I, I can feel your eyes <laughs> anyway He's looking right through you yeah yeah anyway so like i ate mostly beans and also like i don't know another jerky move i poach the eggs i don't put the eggs into the shaksuka to cook them Oh, really? No, because what the hell? Yeah. It makes it harder to save it if you right. have more left yeah, over at yeah. home. I'm not talking about it like you're serving it to sure, somebody, sure, but sure. like when you're making a, when you're making like a 14 inch, I've, I've, I use like a 14 inch Volraff Centurion freaking big old thing yeah. and I'm doing like, you know, large format comes out, the whole table is doing it. I don't know what's going to, what people want, what they don't. So I just yeah, poach, the, more sense. I poach the eggs. Sure. Uh, so I'm just eating poached eggs and beans right. and bread. You know what I mean? <laughs> just, just poached eggs and beans and bread. <laughs> poached eggs and beans. And uh, yeah, it's very bad. Yeah. Very, very bad. <laughs> very bad. Although, I don't know whether the Lowe's Champion Early Bean is a particularly tootie bean, though. Mm-hmm. I don't know, because I've never know. had it before. How do we I, track this lady down? Ask her some questions. I, I guarantee, based on the font, that Graham is dead. Yeah. Well, I mean, no one uses that there's font. There's probably living relatives up there. Yeah, if I ever go back to Acadia, right. I was going to like... Top of the list. Blam! I got some questions that I want them answered. Man, she just yeah. busts through the door and starts screaming at this lady behind the... She's like, I don't know. Waving <laughs> this typed recipe over your head. Yeah. What the hell is this? <laughs> um, all right. So, uh, let's go back to... And Stas, did you... Wait, wait. Did you, did you say you had anything or no? My mind is totally erased today. I don't know. Nothing I want to share, no. Oh. Mm-hmm. That means that's the most interesting stuff. Keep digging there, yeah. (laughs) That means it's the most interesting (laughs) stuff. Although I will say this, uh, for people who are looking for a centrifuge, we're getting ready to have announcement on that, right, Stas? Oh. Yeah. Like, announcement within a month? What do you say? Sure. Yeah? 
All right. All right. All right. So let's get on to stuff. Let's get on to talk stuff. You want to uh, promote the Patreon there, John? Do uh, do a little business? Patreon.com slash cooking issues. Join. There are a couple different uh, membership levels, and you get awesome things at each membership level, including access to the community Discord. Um, Discounts uh, uh, from books at Kitchen Arts and Letters with guest authors that we have on. I believe Katie Parla's is discounted. Um, yeah, just really a whole bunch of great things. Prioritized questions, all that kind of good stuff. So become a member. It's a, it's a good time for all. Right. Okay. I DM'd Katie Parla. It's my first DM ever. Really? I ever? Ne- I've never like slid into anyone's DMs, but I, I listened to the show. And I enjoyed it so much. I wanted to say, "Hey, I'm going on this show. What do I talk about?" And, uh, and I would say, "Congratulations! She sounded great." I had my, I had several people around me helping me craft it, so I hope it didn't come off too weird. It wasn't a lecherous DM. It was no a complimentary I mean, one. Well, I mean, I don't know. She lives mostly in Italy, so it might be okay. Right? Great. Yeah. yeah why yeah, not? Yeah. It's a reason to get over there. So, uh, did uh, did she respond? Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> she's on a book tour. I'm sure she's very busy. Oh, yeah, she is. She's in some other place now. I saw on her yeah. Instagram some other place. All right, so. Let's talk about opening a restaurant in New York City in a place. So you had Ombre Taco, and mm-hmm. let's talk about why why that place closed. Uh, well, I, I, I'm not entirely sure. I, I may not have gotten the full story, but we opened um, 2020, 2020, I would say, September, sort of right in the middle of all the guts of it. Uh, of the pandemic and it was it was sort of bleak and and dark down here i don't know if you were in the building oh, yeah yeah so you know what it was like and, and and we struggled through but we we really uh were sort of getting our footing and and realizing uh what it, what it could be and and then um and then uh, an idea was proposed that it would be sort of uh reimagined as a second location i've had my place 21 greenpoint in brooklyn for for a decade now and uh the idea was a good milestone yeah, thanks. Yeah, feels nice. Yeah, I, I was talking about it the other day, and and uh, and it, it it sort of hit me that we had had sort of contributed to to shaping the neighborhood in the way that it is now, and and that that was a nice feeling. And we're uh, we're very fortunate out there to have some great regulars and some great neighborhood people that have really um, cauterized us there. Well, Greenpoint got so cool that like people who live in Greenpoint are like, I don't really leave Greenpoint anymore. I know. It's a real problem. I, it, it was for me. I, I, I spent a decade there as well uh, and, and just recently left. Uh, and and it, it does feel like a very small, very tight-knit community. It is separate because of the G train specifically. Right. It is its own little spot up there. So people don't leave as often as they do. And there's less, um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's a wonderful neighborhood full of incredible people. Is the, well, to go back to my other question. So first of all, mm-hmm. is, is is all the industry gone out of Greenpoint? Because I remember, like, in the 90s, it was, like, half little old ladies on their stoops talking to each other, and mm-hmm. then somebody grinding. Because I had a job as a metal worker in Greenpoint in the yeah. 90s, and it was, like, either, like, industrial filth or little old ladies having, like, you know, pastries and coffee. Yeah. The ladies are still there. Uh, some of the filth is, thankfully. Uh, a, a lot of the stuff that was by the water has been forced out of there and now is very tall glass buildings. Full of people I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the further you get from the water, the more industrial there. There's still a lot of, uh, you know, film and movie production takes place over there. And They still have all those weird places like where Sidney Lumet was shooting yeah, and stuff. Yeah, all that stuff is still there, which is neat. And, and, and that'll take a little while uh, to ruin, but they'll find a way. <laughs> You'll find a way to ruin it. Certainly. Yeah. 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 All right. uh, so what I heard 
it was that they obliterated the space that was Ombre Taco well, and it no longer exists. That is true. <laughs> that is true. Uh, there was a, a, a reimagining of what the concourse level of 30 Rock would be. And that involves uh, bringing in some black iron and some ventilation systems and, and expanding the, uh, the scope of what people were able to do. And uh, Ombre Taco, before it was a, a bibigo, uh, sort of a dumpling place, and before that was a, was a candle store and I think a video game shop. So it was never a, a, a place for, for a restaurant to, to be, and now it is. We're, we're, we're in the final stages of getting our gas turned on. How long has that taken? It's taken a while. There's been yeah. uh, some, some, uh, you know, some red tape with the FDNY and Con Ed mm. and stuff. No, no fault of anybody, but it's just bureaucratic silliness, which is, you know, a lot of T's to cross. And we're working in a cathedral, right? A, a, a landmark building where, yeah. you know, changing a light bulb requires several emails and stuff. So things go slow. Ever but, since, uh, uh, ever since the explosion, remember the explosion uh, downtown uh, in, uh, <clears throat> in, what year was that? It's like 20... I want to say like 2014, 2015, there was a gas explosion on 2nd. No, I guess not. Blew up a whole building from a restaurant. Oh, they were, wow. They were doing illegal work in the restaurant. Two people were killed in the restaurant, mm. leveled the entire building on the corner, right next to... Uh, oh, not, by the Palm Frites on, on like a... On like, um, seventh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, I remember that. I wasn't aware that that was what caused it. Yeah, yeah. Gas, gas explosion. And there had recently, right before then, been a gas explosion in Harlem on like 125th Street in, it was either a commercial building or some sort of like an older schoolish kind of building. Mm -hmm. And those two gas explosions happened kind of very close to each other. Mm. And ever since then, I mean, rightfully so. I mean, we, sure. we, we're 8 million of us stacked up in this little freaking place, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? But, like, gas work is just a nightmare. Yeah, there's a lot of new uh, regulations that I didn't know about. <laughs> well, what do you think about this whole, uh, the future going non-gas, though? Well, I mean, as long as, uh, you know, the radical left tries to take our gas away, <laughs> we'll always have something to fight for. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I, like, I like the idea of it. Sure, if it can be... If the same amount of uh, power and production can can take place in a smaller area that doesn't require ventilation and, and is possibly a nicer work environment, then great. Yeah. More power to it. I, I haven't worked with a ton of it. You know, I have a bunch of induction burners and stuff, but to see it operating on a full scale level would be interesting. Yeah. 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 So you're not going to uh, you're not going to just burn a bunch of gas in a pickup truck going down the highway. No, I do that protest. at home. You know, yeah, that's yeah. a that's a personal choice. <laughs> I don't bring that into the work arena. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, <clears throat> so. I mean, I just hate how long things take. I think I've said this many times. I don't think the average person who hasn't tried to have a small business understands how anti-small business, like, everything seems to be. Like, yeah. we, we talk a lot about, as a culture, about how much we like small business, and it's just not, it's just not. Yeah. It's, 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 really, it's really challenging, and a, a lot of the... Uh, a lot of the things that you fall into, you know, w whether it's penalties or regulations or, or, or whatever, especially in a place, I'll use myself as an example, in, in a building like this where, you know, I, I joke a lot about, you know, Ben and Jerry don't come down and inspect the, the stuff as often as I'm here inspecting stuff. And the things that are asked of, of a small business are, are a lot to take. You know, the, the financial uh risk and the financial investment is is, is profound and, and little things that that maybe wouldn't register so much on a, on a larger scale uh, can be deeply effective to a small business and it, it does feel in a way that the deck is is, is stacked it feels that way I'm sure it's not 
And I know that those safeguards are there for a reason and they're there to be enforceable and to be profound against anyone of any size. But if the same uh, force is applied to a large uh, matter as, as a small one, yeah, then yeah. the small one does get obliterated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that feels uh, like a hard hill to climb sometimes. Right, right. So like when it takes six months to get the gas installed, you may not be burning gas, but you are burning money. Yeah, I'm employing people. They're standing there, you yeah, know, yeah. and looking for stuff to do. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's hard. It's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. But, you know, it's 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 my job. Uh, so, uh, on 21 Greenpoint, I read, you were, what was the name of the restaurant you worked at right before that was right there? River Sticks. River Sticks. When we opened, that's what it was called. Okay. So what's that like? You just take over and then well, you change it? Like, how, like what's the, what's the, how does that work? Well, River Sticks, I was, um, a partner of, I, I was sort of, uh, um, I, I, was, I went to it with two partners and I was sort of the head you know, cook, you know, I, I, I was the guy who was sort of running uh, the day to day kitchen operations. And that's where I was very content to stay for a long time. But we had some issues with partners, as, as is often the case. And they both uh, left. And then I was sort of sitting there <laughs> and, and I, I was sort of asked to uh, to take this on uh, maybe a little before I had anticipated that. And uh, and, and, you know, I was in, intimidated and, and a little worried because I don't have, uh, you know, I, I was I planned to sort of sit at River Sticks and learn the business, right? But I was sort of it was thrust upon me, and and then I, uh, you know, decided to to change the name, do a little uh, fix up on some stuff that was broken, and uh, and stay, and and we've turned it into something that we're all really proud of. It's it's a great thing. It, it was it was it all came too fast, but it's always best to be sort of asked to do something when you're kind of not ready to, you know, just before you're. You're good enough because it inspires you to try, you know? Yeah. And also, I guess, you know, uh, people always get, people always second guess, get bent when you say things like this, but like you need to be at a place in your life where you kind of give yourself the permission to try things out. Yeah. And like, you know, most of the people I know who were <clears throat> successful in restaurant stuff, like Dave Chang will say this about Psalm or any of these, in any of these other places that when you kind of have the permission to, mess around and mm -hmm. do things and put things right, it can be kind of more satisfying. You can build something, you know, better where it's harder. It's a lot harder and costs a lot more to try to open something that's a specific way from the get. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Having those constraints is, is a lot, especially when you, 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 you feel obliged to them and you can't, you can't, you know, change because it's a, it's a constantly, you know, changing business. You have to, once I once I really started trusting, uh, you know, the my gut and the stuff that I wanted to serve and the and the the environment that I wanted to to have for people, that's when I started uh, enjoying my job and doing a better job at it. You know. So back to uh, ombre uh, ombre taco and not not you said a reference to not a bad ombre reference. No, although I am, but uh, no ombre is what my my uncles used to call me yeah. when I was a kid. Wait, oh, yeah? Yeah, ombre. Hey, ombre, get over here, get your uncle a beer. Even when you were, like, not really an ombre yet? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Homer. Yeah. 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 So, like, let me ask you this. What are your thoughts on getting small children to hand, uh, like, mad, mad men style handing uh, alcohol to adults? Pro, anti? Very pro. I mean, so they're the only ones that can nestle, uh, you know, a brandy glass just so <laughs> and bring it to the appropriate temperature. Wow. You know, wow. sometimes that stuff is very thin and delicate. You need a soft hand. Can I tell you something horrifying? Please. Uh, in the 70s, which I remember, I was young, but I remember people still used to heat brandy. Yeah. And people would have 
little like I'm not kidding. My uncle would have me warm it in my hands for what him. Oh, you want it hot? It's <laughs> what he said to do. I know, but where did this come from? And like, thank God it died. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I do you I'm want right. your like you bring a snifter of hot brandy up to your nose? You're like, what? Why? Mm-hmm. Well, it's a greater, it's a greater appreciate the perfume, certainly, right? I've seen a little that. tea candle and like a little yeah. setup where you can balance your that's glass the 70s, over it. Man. Yeah, that, it's a happier the, time. They don't still have that anymore, right? Well, you have to make your own, but <laughs> it's out there. You know, I don't know. To me, that's that's one of those things from the seventies that I'm like glad it's glad it's gone. Sure. You know what I you know what I do miss though <clears throat> with candles, Christmas time. They used to have these these things with candles in it and then like a little fan above it and the candles would make the fan go and there'd be these little oh, like yeah. metal angels that go ting, 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 Yeah, I remember those. Yeah. 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 That was good. So let's bring those back. It's a good use of a candle. Yeah. Speaking of candle, my brother-in-law, so I did something, my brother-in-law, Wiley, is opening his pizza place stretch. Anti-candle. He's anti-candle. Is that right? Yeah. What do I'm very pro-candle. I enjoy the light that it emits. You know why? Because it looks better. That's my understanding. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so like, what uh, is Wiley like? LED lights or something? No, he, he, look, 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 look. Like, like, I, I'm like, I have a conversation with him. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking out of school, whatever. He's my brother-in-law, whatever, whatever. I know Wiley, but yeah, but he's like, I don't know. He just doesn't like them because they they are a hassle. They suck. You know, like you have to keep buying what them. part? They're oh no, no that I bad. mean a- emptying them out of the thing. Sure, but it's and, something and, you for know, the service you know, to do. Yes, you know they at the beginning you know, you just hired this person. No one told them to put water into the tea light well, thing. And they can't get the freaking candle it's out. A learning opportunity. Uh, so yeah, it's a learning opportunity with a butter knife and a bunch of people screaming at you. But mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's like whatever. But uh, ever since I read this book, what was it called? Disenchanted Night by uh, somebody last name. You ready for it? Chivalbush. Nice. Yeah, yeah, Chivalbush. <laughs> independent <laughs> scholar named Chivalbush. Uh, Not independent and, for long. Yeah, exactly. And uh, he's like 90 now. Anyway, he's still alive. Uh, anyway, he wrote this book, and he was like, yo, electric light is ugly on people's faces. He's like, back, really? Yeah, he's like, gaslight was awesome, and but, you know, no one can have that now. But a candle, it's like the movement, it makes everyone look like maybe like 30% sexier. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, I feel that one of the main goals. Why does Wiley hate that so much? I don't know. I, I don't think he thinks about it because he's thinking kitchen. Anyway, sure. so like, like well, I don't recommend them in the kitchen necessarily. Yeah, no, they're terrible. Can you imagine? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you know, you're slicing. To so a you candle look great light. while you do it. Oh, fantastic! The, yeah. the blood like coming off of your face. Mm-hmm. That little, but like, uh, you know, yeah. I mean, like, people just look a lot better. And I think you know, if someone's going out. Right, I mean, whatever, a business meeting, whatever. But like a lot of people who are going out are going out to have a good time. And if you want them to have a good time and an even better time when they leave and go back home or wherever they're going to go, Isn't you want them to look good. Agreed. I always like I want I want my I want the people to look good when they're here. Absolutely. You looking your place looking good is one thing, but the, the guests should feel like they look great. There's no place without the guests, right? You know. Yeah. Yeah. We're there to facilitate a nice time. That's, That's like, my you know, understanding. This is why at the bar, you know, the way that you really are like the. If you turn the lights on to get people out, people mm. are like, oh. Yeah, that's a harsh reality. Save that for the, the unflinching sun in the morning. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Let, us, let us live in this fantasy for another hour yeah. or so. I don't know. Actually, I, I'm sure he'll eventually get some candles. Because candles are nice. Gosh, I hope so. I like candles. I do, too. I think they're great. I feel yeah. like he would, too. Maybe he's got to find the right candle. Yeah. He's not a votive guy. You know, he needs something made out something. of whale blubber or something that he can Oh, my God. Out. Or like one of these... Uh, 
Who is it that was? Uh, we were talking. Uh, 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 Nick. Nick was going to do the uh, olive oil candles oh, where yeah. he can you can dip there. Sure. Yeah. 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 I don't think Wiley would enjoy you dipping the crust into a candle. I don't though. think you'd appreciate. It. Maybe <laughs> you made one out of garlic butter or something. Get, get this. Get this. <laughs> so Wiley made because of course because Wiley made his own magic shell. Naturally. Yeah. yeah. It's just coconut oil, right? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Peanut butter. Peanut butter magic shell. Right. I'm right. Like, right. Of course you made a magic shell. You good know what for I mean? him. Yeah. I can't yeah. wait to try it. Yeah, it's good. Anyway, uh, all right. So back to uh, Ombre Taco. Yeah, uh, <laughs> the place that's been closed for but, a year. Yeah, yeah. But like, uh, so, but you know, we talk about uh, uh, this. So you know, we went down after the show because right when we went here, it was it was going like right when we started, and that's when Joe was like, "Hey, you know, Homer was like, nah, I know, I know, I know, I, I don't know him personally, but I know him." So we went down. And talk about the broccoli versus mm-hmm. the avocado. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, well, we make a thing called broccoli here and in, in, in Brooklyn. And it started as a, as a reaction to uh, not using avocados or trying not to use avocados because uh, how much water they require and, and the states which grow them uh, have to import water from other places. And the people who harvest them are, are not treated particularly well. And Myriad sort of social uh, moral issues as to not using avocado. I've recently found a guy, the avocado guy, the avocado guy, who makes an incredible product, and they're 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 sourced from uh, people that you can get behind. But that's not AAA avocado on my neighborhood. On the you know I don't that story? believe so. I don't know. It's not. That? Yeah, we've been over this. Yeah, no, okay. it's, it's <laughs> okay. spelled well, the same in Dave's neighborhood. It's a storefront. But oh, all right, not, great. Not well, this guy's guy. great, and you can get him at your house as well and stuff like all that. All right. Uh, but anyway, it's, it's uh, broccoli is just uh, guacamole without the avocado. All the same flavorings, all the same stuff. Tastes similar, looks the same. It's cheap too, so I, you know, broccoli compared to avocado, so I can give it away. You don't have to charge extra for uh, for brock and stuff like that. Do you do the overcook broccoli, or do you? Yeah, do, yeah. overcook it. Uh, you know, blanch it essentially, but like you know, boil it and then uh, combine it with all the stuff. Who is it that used to love the over, over, overcooked broccoli? Was it Marcella Hazan? Italian people in general, right? <laughs> uh, hey, this is crazy. I printed out the wrong question list. I printed out a question list from like two weeks ago. Well, I like uh, this then. Yeah. I feel awesome. good. <laughs> All right. Uh, I don't know much about uh, Gage and Toller, but I, I can make a big Alaska if we have to. <laughs> can you? No, oh. but I can make one. I'll give yeah, it a shot. Yeah, all right. Uh, I think some of the questions uh, I didn't get to, so we're still there. All right. <clears throat> this one, uh, actually, I thought uh, was interesting. Quinn, this is the one that uh, I think you wanted to go into anyway. A-X-B-B-Y-C-Z-D-0, which is a difficult, it's a difficult username to... No underscores or anything? Yeah. Because you can't pronounce it like Axbewizidzo. Mm, the Elon Musk kid? I don't, uh, no. What was his name again? I don't recall. It's like... But it's a normal I name. I find him very uncharming these days. So. Oh, the musk melon? I'm still going to get that dang Cybertruck, though. I'm still going to get that Cybertruck. If they well, ever can't even it. throw a cannonball through it. So, I mean, what, why bother? Yo, listen, <laughs> I have to say, when he did that, and when Fritz put that, that like, when he broke the, the window, I was like, of course the window broke. Sure, it seems you shouldn't do that to car windows. But what a, the dummy move, the hilarious dummy move was, he's like, oh, go try it on the other window. I'm like, no, Fritz, don't, man. <laughs> But like, if you did that to my Subaru, yeah, that's how, <laughs> you know how what I mean. Projectile steel balls work. Yeah, yeah. No, Fritz. Do you think he got fired or murdered? Um, yeah, I guess probably. Yeah, I mean, it probably would have been a bit more of a public crucifixion these days. But he yeah. maybe be quietly was yeah. asked to leave. Like, yeah. uh, all right. So, uh, question is. Uh, and you know we were talking about this actually before we went on the air. Given the fractured state of media in general, which is kind of, that's kind of loaded. It's a lot. It's yeah. a lot right there. T- 
to, uh, as they say these days, unpack, mm-hmm. right? Uh, razor thin margins and, and the profitability of restaurants, environmental impacts and sustainability uh, and ethical trade. Do, uh, do we have any predictions as to where dining and or fine dining is headed next? Wow, I, it's a, a tough. It, it is a tough. Like you now, you have you know Red Zeppi saying that you know he's done with it, right? In a couple of years after he, yeah, but like, come on, man, he's the guy, right? He's the you know it can't it can't be done. Fine dining cannot be done anymore on the level that he wants, right? Well, wasn't it twenty years ago you couldn't forage for things in Copenhagen and, and complete a restaurant menu with just stuff that you found on your walk? He found a way to do that, yeah. right? If he's the greatest in the world, right? And he's given us Which so I don't very believe much. Anyway, Nobody I, does. Yeah. But if he's the best, if that's yeah. the top, right? Well, then maybe he could find a way. Maybe all the leaders in this world, instead of saying, oh, it can't be done. Uh, I'm just going to open a fast casual place and fried chicken instead. It's like, well, how about you figure it out, man? Are you passionate about what you love or are you just here for the awards? What? Wow. wow. That came out wow. of nowhere. Wow. <laughs> I've been drinking. <laughs> wow. But you know what I mean? It's like, come on. We're, we're, here, we're here to effing work. Let's do it. You know, well, instead of like, and the guy's, guy knows more than I'll ever even begin to know and has contributed more to the culinary world than I do by a long shot. But it's like, I, I don't get to walk away. You know, a lot of people don't get to just throw their hands up and walk away. Right. So you're saying like, you know, it's, it, yeah, it is a definite, like, uh, he can leave on top if he yeah, wants to. And that feels great. And mazel tov. Good, <laughs> go out on top. He's a cool guy. You know, I got nothing but wonderful things to say about him, except for that that stepping away. Because just because that opens the door for so many other people who are not as deserving to do it as well. You know what I mean? If your leaders let you down, then who are you supposed to follow? Because I'm supposed to follow him, right? He's the top. Stas, you remember what we used to say when we when someone was uh, chasing something, we didn't think they were going to get it in the food world? Yeah, what did you what did you come up with? Wake up and smell the red zeppi. There you go. (laughs) You know what I mean? Because there can't be that many. First of all, there's only, and this is what I think is changing. So I think part of this is talking, we were talking also about like Pete Wells changing the stars rating here at the New York Times and the way media in general is changing, right? So, you know, in the heyday of, you know, when Noma and before that, whoever, whoever was the fine dining, blah, blah, blah of the world at the time, Mm -hmm. there's only a certain amount of oxygen in that space, right? So no matter how good any person is it's actually hard to get to be the person that receives all the oxygen you know what i mean sure um and i think the the issue is is it's so expensive to do that kind of work now that unless you have a chance of absorbing all the attention it's almost like well then how can you even do that anymore that's is that part of the argument maybe you you know what i mean like the question is to what end and that has to be self-assigned right don't you get? Don't you have to answer that? Like, how much do you want this? Does it matter to you that much that you get that kind of accolade? Right? Or would you do it without it? You know? Well, I mean, so you know, uh, so so Pete Wells, whom I like, by the way, it, for those of you that don't know, aren't in the United States, Pete Wells is the food reviewer for the New York Times, which since you know, for at least 50 years, probably more, but since I've been alive and could look at words, was the you know, premier uh, restaurant reviewing venue in in New York. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And they're, they're, therefore, regardless of what you think of us as a city, therefore one of the most important in the country, right? And so, you know, the star system, and, and Pete Wells is funny and a very good writer. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And uh, 
so, you know, he's switched recently the star system whereby he – I'm just saying this for people, you know, who aren't part of the New York scene where like for instance like a, a, a food truck can get three stars, right? Now I think the star system started changing its meaning back when, you know, uh, you know my, my business partner at the time, friend Dave Chang, got three stars for Somme because that was not what a three-star restaurant had been because it didn't have the right kind of bathroom. It didn't have the right kind of table service. didn't right. have the right kind of chairs. So it started changing. But, like, I don't really understand a world in which – in other words, like, I don't think we've reached – I don't think we've figured out what the meaning is. Like, we want – we all as a community want to give more oxygen to people who aren't just like the Renny Redseppis and this kind of fine dining thing. But on the other hand, is, isn't there still a place for that, for that kind of work, that kind of control, that kind of like uh, desire to achieve a certain level of perfection? And so I don't really know where this is shaking I, I down. I, I remember when I was a young man in the early 2000s, we, I worked at a place that made fantastic food and we, did, we worked really hard and it was a great, great place to go. And we would always talk about the idea of getting a great two-star review because those, those stars sort of were sacred and it did mean a certain level of dining, but it meant a certain expectation as well. And you could get a great review and still get two stars. And that I thought was a really genuine and sort of fair way of treating it. But then like Katz has got two stars and so did per se. And you go like, well, this can't be right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, then, yeah. It, then it became about only get, you had to get four. Four was the pinnacle. For us, four was never a goal. Can't right. get four stars. Le yeah. Cirque has four stars. You know what I mean? It was about the review, and if the reviewer understood the food that he was, they, sorry, were talking about, Pete Wells in this in this instance. And um, I think I think I think that that tiered system is helpful, and I think it's interesting and it's kind of fun to have a four star restaurant like La Bernadette. Like that's that's a different place than even a great restaurant with amazing food and wonderful service and drinks and whatever. So I think if we could. Return to the intent of the reviewer and the and their emotions that they shared with the place they were going to, and then assigning keeping them in their little box was sort of nice in a way because you were safe and defined in your box, and it wasn't about beating other things. It wasn't about getting four stars. It was about getting the best two star you could. Yeah, and also here's what another thing because uh, you know I listened to the uh, what's it called the the New York Times podcast where <laughs> Pete was. Uh, the Daily. The, the Daily, yeah, yeah, where he was uh, kind of, you know, defending this this choice. Yeah. And, you know, he said something at the beginning of the podcast that I thought was really interesting and telling. He's like, there's only a certain number of fine dining restaurants in New York at any one time, and you can know what they, you can know what they all are. I'm like, exactly. Yeah. But I can't go to them. Right. You can. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, <totally. laughs> and so, like, the point is, is that, like, that is a beat, right? The Once you Times restaurant review, you know what I mean? It's, you, right. He can write other reviews, but when he puts on that hat, the critic for the New York Times, there is a lineage and, and an expectation that people have. I think it's okay to, to have that be a sort of rarefied air. You know, there used to be that great 25 and under column. That's what I'm saying. That was the, that was the most exciting Th column that's of the week. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, like, that is a different beat. Yes. And I yes. think it should just be a different totally thing. Totally agree. Or, like, the other thing is, like, once it's open to all 20,000 restaurants or whatever we have now in—, in, in you can't know them. Right. You can't know them. Right. How do I know that the how do I know that the, the the truck that you reviewed in the South Bronx is even in the top ten of that kind of truck? Yeah. Because there's just you don't yeah. know them all. They're probably right? you know, they're probably clamoring. Everybody there's so much more information. Right. There's so many blogs and there's so many whatever the hell's and, and there's so many experts out there 
that they they feel obliged to write stuff that people will read and get and talk about. You know what I mean? So a three star review of a taco truck gets people talking. Right, but I think it's weird. Is it like you know? It's a bit. I think I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but on the daily, the the host accused him and he he deflected it well of being performative. Right, and it does seem a bit that way, and that's okay because it is a, a stage, you know. But um. There's, there's, I don't know. Right, but then, so then, okay, so here's what happens. So in the in the podcast, this is the first time we've ever talked about a different podcast. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Here we go. So like, <laughs> Very meta. they're they're together. He accuses Pete Wells of being, not accuse him, says, is it performer? Basically yeah. throws it out there and being like, you know, George Floyd happens. People don't want to just do like old, old white people crap anymore. Mm-hmm. You need to give oxygen to other people. Totally All agree. true, by yeah, the way. Absolutely. All fact. Totally. And then, you know, uh, he's like, but you're just being performative because you are the New York Times. And so you're saying, I'm going to give my first starred review after the pandemic because they stopped giving stars during mm-hmm. the pandemic. My first star review is going to be to a, a pork truck, the Piranha, that literally it's a truck. It doesn't even have wheels. It's on blocks. Right. Right. And self-described by Pete Wells, you get coated in pork as he's hacking up the pork with a machete. And you can tell that he likes the experience because it specifically isn't the fine dining crap that he's had to do for years. Totally understandable. Which, by the too. way, everyone yeah. gets sick of. Of course. Everyone gets sick of fine dining, right? Which is why you should really maybe only do that job for a certain number of years. Because, That's another conversation. Yeah, That's an yeah. important one. So, um, so he's like, is that performative? But then he wins over um, you know, the host by taking him to a Vietnamese restaurant in my neighborhood, a North Vietnamese restaurant. And the guy was like, yeah, that was a fantastic experience. And so now I kind of see what you mean. No, of course, the star review isn't supposed to be. It's not it, like it's not a good restaurant. We it, all understand that the food here is fantastic. Right. Yeah, so like sure. it's going to get a good review, even though literally they put the table that they sat on in the bike lane, yeah. which by the way, I'm against. Please don't put get tables in the get, get, get bike, bike lane. If I run into you. Yeah. You're going to get hurt real bad, Agreed. real bad. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like real bad. And then you're going to get mad at me. Now these delivery guys are on motorcycles. They're all totally silent. They're 400 pound uh, okay. bicycle, whatever. Okay. Okay. Listen, listen, I'm of three minds on this, right? Like, so I understand they're not bikers. This is just their job. Totally. They're going to get the, they're going to get in trouble. Not their boss. If something happens, they have to buy the bikes. Yep. So I'm not going to, but I, but it just makes me nervous. You, you ever see the one where. They don't even get on the bike. They're riding. They're standing on one side of the bike, like the bike is a moped. Yeah. Well, they're dressed like they're 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 going to be jumping off of some sort of thing. You know, what I mean, they're dressed like they're for the X Games. They're ready yeah. to die out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know, but Just look, to get whatever. You, you're Chinese. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, whatever. It's like uh, what about more? I don't know. I don't know where. I, I don't know. Anyway, the point. My point being that uh, he was won over because he had a great time. But that's not what it's about. Correct. You know I mean? It's not about. Yes, absolutely. And you know what? I think part of it is is that. You know, New York Times was, is the kind of paper of record for a bunch of things, right? So, like, you would look at them for art reviews. You would look at them for restaurant reviews of a certain kind, and then 2500 for the— But we also, back in the day, because there was no internet, you know, you had people who were known for certain things. So, like, Time Out, back in the day, when Time Time Out came out, I used to—we would wait. You would— all year they would wait to do their cheap eats issue. Absolutely. And they would have an editorial team yep. and a whole group of people who all they did was go around to every neighborhood in the city mm-hmm. all the time trying to find the best cheap eats. And that was well curated. They, they didn't get all this stuff, but like, you know, then we were like, oh, what a, you know? And like that is a super important, valid thing, which maybe now has been taken over by Yelp. So there's no curation on that. I don't know. I just don't think it's, I don't think it's right to poison the, this 
star system that way. I agree. I think it's okay to to ask the paper of record, right, to have a little rarefied air about that stuff, and and like, and that's why it various into different kinds of journalism, like Time Out, like that cheap eats thing. That was something when I was a young person in college that meant. I, w- I loved reading the New York Times reviews. I would never go to these restaurants, but yeah, yeah. that's what that was for. And the cheap beach thing was for me to have a little checklist and, and try to go to as many as I could that year. Like, yeah. And again, yes, memorable meals, awesome meals at those course. cheap beach places. Or like, you know, places. like, you know, you discover some of those places. Most of them, sadly, you know, they don't last that long. Sure. But most restaurants don't last. But yeah, I mean, yeah. like, I remember I found like my favorite, you know, what was it called? Sweet and Tart, which was an amazing restaurant that everyone started going to. Yeah, that sounds familiar. Yeah, it was, uh, it was down near the Chase Bank on Canal Street okay. in a basement. Oh, God. Yeah, 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 you yeah, know, yeah And yeah. they had, you know, they had like the really good, you know, fried pork fried rice in the bamboo mm-hmm. that would come and they had a bunch of great stuff. You know what I mean? But, right. you know, that's what that's for. Whatever. So we're in semi-agreement. John's been deadly silent on this. He has no opinion. He's been furiously shaking no. his head. You can't see him. <laughs> <laughs> What do you think, John, about Star System? <laughs> I it's I don't know. It's a obviously it's a super flawed system, but I have always kind of placed a lot of credence in it. Not necessarily like it has great food, but it says a lot about the current like cultural context of dining. I think you know I even even just like looking at the eater heat maps and all that stuff. You know, which I claim to it's not hierarchical or things like I don't know. It's just. Uh, I don't know. This is like what I wrote a lot of my master thesis on, you know, it was like notions of taste and dictating taste. And it's, it's, just, I don't know. It's just, it's so, it's so freaking arbitrary, right? Like, I, I don't know what Pete, I mean, I know what Pete Wells likes to eat, but I don't know. Do he and I enjoy eating the same things? Like I've read some reviews of places that he's been to that I haven't really had super pleasurable experiences at. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I like it. I think there is definitely a need and a market for it. I, just wait for what for for a star system right that kind of review system um i do it is frustrating you know to talk about the the meat truck and then you know places like le bernardin's or you know Teresi just also got the three stars as did kwame today um i didn't read their review yet but you know yeah Congrats. And, you know, Don Lee, my former partner, is doing the, the beverage, uh, you know, working with, as is Karen Stanley, yep. my old manager exactly. over yeah. there. So I haven't been because uh, I was supposed to go for friends and family, but something happened. I don't, I don't know what happened. But yeah, I haven't been yet. But yeah, congrats. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. yeah. Um, I don't know. It was interesting. In the, in the mid-2000s, right, you know, you would sit around with, like, you know, groups of chef, uh, chefs like, you know, uh, um, Sam Mason, you know. And uh, Wiley and Dave Chang, and they would all, you know, all of which had worked at four-star restaurants, right. um, you know, had their own, you know, threes and whatever. And, you know, they would be like, why do you have to buy into this star system? Why can't we just make food that we like? And that was really Chang's point with Noodle Bar, sure, right? And sure. then, you know, but then, <laughs> you know, the, the the stars ended up coming to him. He right. got the three stars at Sambar, which again I say is, is kind of kind of weird. And he was out to kind of change, at least he said he was out to change kind of what we thought fine dining meant. In other words, fine dining could just be where the chef got to make the most delicious food in the most kind of fun atmosphere. And I guess that's true. But once you truly open it up to people who aren't him, don't yeah. have that kind of pedigree, 
that's good because I think in a way we all should know who's doing fun and interesting stuff. Yeah. I want the good information. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's the only reason a guy like me, you know, I didn't go to culinary school. I never trained under some master. I never went to France and I certainly haven't worked at the places that those people have, but I, uh, I followed them, you know, right. they, they broke those barriers for, for, for young people, you know, like me. And I don't know what the hell I'm talking about, certainly, but, uh, you know, the, it, it seems so inaccessible that it took people that had already infiltrated it to open it up to others. And, and arguably too many people can do it now. And maybe I'm one of well, those people, but uh, well, you know, it was, it was revolutionary at the time and it felt that way, but it was all sort of rooted in this reverence for what came before. Maybe that's getting lost a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think, look like someone who I think and to go outside of food for a minute, someone who I think is doing a really good job of saying we, you know, only amplified a certain kind of voice before and we're going to do it differently is MoMA. Mm -hmm. Like if you go to like the, the yeah. new shows at the MoMA mm -hmm. and like the way that they're hanging, what do you think, John, you go to the MoMA, right? Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, so, so good. Like a really re amazing. Mm -hmm. New curatorial, groundbreaking stuff. Fantastic. So good, yeah. But you consume art in a different way than you consume food because you can, you know, if you're, unless you're nuts, you can only go to one restaurant a night. And honestly, most of us can, you know, go out maybe once a week, maybe. Right. You know what I mean? Maybe once a month, right? You know, it depends on how much money you have, how much time you have, where you live. Um, so I think that it's a lot harder to do it in our world than it is maybe to do it in the food world to go back to AXBYCZD0's question. Uh, I am glad that changes are being made. I don't think we figured out the correct answer yet. I think you're right. But uh, you know, it's, it's the kind of thing that you have to just keep asking questions around. So we're, we're, we're sort of all in agreement. We're circling around the, yeah. the final diagnosis, but uh, we'll get there or somebody will come. Yeah, somebody, somebody. Um, somebody smarter than us. All right. Uh, let me see. I don't have today's question, so I don't know. Quint oh, I'll give one for, that I have that was a couple weeks ago that I'm going to answer. Ready? You like mustard seeds? I do. Do you? Yeah. Yeah. Tom Colicchio taught me how to pickle them, right? Come on, so really? No, not really, but he did, and uh, so now everybody has This to. is a pickled mustard question. Well, see, duh. Well, I'm going to do it, but I'm going to tell him the way that I do it, and you can tell him the way that uh, your boy, the, the Colicinator, taught you. He never taught me a thing. I, I've never met the man. Really? No. Not one time? Not one time. Ne never. Not that I can recall. Seems okay. Sir, seems great. I remember when, when Kraft opened and he was pickling mustard seeds in everybody's mind. Just went, you know, I never went to Kraft. It was great. It's it was really good. great. Still never, very good. It's still really yeah, yeah. good. Okay, here's the thing, right? Because I've met, met him once or twice. He's a good guy. Everyone loves Kraft. Uh, but I was always like, I hate making choices. You're taking me to a restaurant <laughs> where literally I have to choose I agree. things. And it sounded like hell in the kitchen, right? Yeah, like, yeah. oh, here's a bunch of stuff, and they're going to tell you how to cook it. I go, what? What? <laughs> <laughs> you gotta be kidding me. Yeah, it's like, it's like, like if I want to make all the choices, I'll go to the store, I'll buy my For food, sure. I'll cook it. Yeah. That's choosing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, yeah, just fine. Choose for me, man. Yeah. And same at the bar. Like, I just like, you know, just like, just give me something that's delicious that you like. I, that means that why you go? Like, <laughs> take a few things out of your hands for once? You know, yeah. You do the cooking. What? Yeah. All right. Uh, every time I use mustard seed in a dressing or anything else, it's excessively bitter. Is there anything that can be done about that? Or is it likely to be an issue with my source? Couple things, Monty. One, you might also find mustard seeds particularly bitter because... And, you know, my palate has changed. So I used to, I remember I years cooked mustard seeds. And then all of a sudden one year I was like, oh, these are more bitter than they used to be. And, and then someone else next to me was like, no, they're the same. And I'm like, oh, I've changed. Weird. You know what I mean? That's interesting. I, I've had the same thought. 
I, I think they got more bitter. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But I think maybe it's just us. Anyway, uh, first thing, Monty, right. are you blanching them in a couple changes of water? Got to yeah. blanch those suckers sure. in a couple changes of water. Uh, and then uh, what I like to do is I like to pressure cook the mustard seeds in vinegar. And uh, pressure cooking the mustard seeds in vinegar uh, knocks out some more of uh, the pungency anyway. Uh, and, and then uh, I stir sugar in afterwards. Mm-hmm. And then, then that's how uh, I do it. 20 minutes of 15 PSI. What, what else? Do you have anything to add on? Uh, no, I mean, I kind of do it the same way. I don't pressure cook them. I just cook them forever on low in a bunch yeah. of vinegar. But you have to blanch them several times, certainly. Yeah, yeah and then the vinegar and then stir in some sugar. And if you do sugar, it right, yeah. pressure cooker for 20 minutes, 15 PSI good is all I need. And then uh, they kind of pop like caviar. Yeah, that's yeah. it's super fun Yeah, when you get it right. So I used to do it like... We used to do it like when I was at the French Culinary Institute all the time. So all the time. I, I developed a pressure cooker thing. I just did it constantly. Blah, blah, blah. And then one day, it's bitter. Ah. Yeah. So I just stopped doing it. I haven't done it in years. Oh, I haven't either. I mean, you know, maybe it's time to bring 2012 back. Bacon on everything again. And- <laughs> mm, oh, my God. Remember that? Oh, my God. Yeah, 2012 had its, had its moments. Oh, it did. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, Quinn, what else, we got, uh, what else we got on the questions there since I've, uh, since I've, uh, since I've printed the wrong list? Uh, you have a question from, uh, Biscuit on there? From Biscuit? No. What does Biscuit want to know? Sounds delicious. Biscuit. Biscuit. Oh, Biscuit. No, 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 what do we got? Uh, uh, you mentioned to Carolyn Schiff that you steam your fries and then double fry Mm -hmm. them. Uh, why two fries? Wouldn't the steam and the first fry be enough? No. No, just, listen, 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 listen. Uh, one thing I think that I hate is anyone saying that there's a best way to do anything. There's like a million ways to do everything. And a lot of them can be like incredibly delicious. Like if you go to Belgium, right, they don't they don't pre-blanch. They just do a, an oil blanch. They just do it at a lower temperature for a longer time. Yeah. Right. But if you also go to Belgium, they have a really amazing fry setup. They have yeah, like they that do. counter with the kettle in mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they do very long, low first oil blanch. The problem is, is that, you know, as an American running, okay, there's making fries at home and there's making fries in a restaurant. And when you're making fries in a restaurant, like during service, you're not turning your fryer down. You're keeping your fryer at, you know, probably 365 thereabouts the whole service and you have to make everything cook at that temperature. Right. And so, you know, and even when you're pre doing it, it's hard to get, uh, you know, whoever your prep person is to do a really long, low oil blanch on potatoes and get it exactly right every time. Cause this is not what they're trained to do. They're not Belgian. They don't, they don't breathe this stuff. You know what I mean? And so, um, pre steaming the, the problem with boiling, I used to boil it, is that they, they break up too much. They get too damaged. So if you have a big steamer or a combi oven, you can do rack after rack of them, and you can cook the hell out of them, and that's going to make it easier to do a shorter first fry and have an amazing uh, crust texture. So it's all about what you're, what you're willing to learn to do on your own and what you're, how repeatable you want it to be for someone who doesn't do it every time or isn't necessarily as skilled as you need them to be. And so for me, the easiest way to do it is steam fry fry, but it's not the only way. 
Wait, what do you do? I, I do it what I have now learned to be called the Belgian way, which is a super low uh, oil, you know, poach, essentially, and then yeah. just finish them off at the end. Yeah, and that's what they do, and they make the best fries yeah. in the world. What's your gate? What's, what, 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 are you doing three eight half? What size? Three eight. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite are half, but they're much harder to do well. Yeah, for like, sure. You know that, I mean? Yeah. Three eights gives you a little bit more flexibility. It really does, yeah. because, uh, you know, the, a French fry is a fight between the crust and the center. The struggle and it is mm-hmm. and like you know and in, and if you are a master of it you can do the you know what you freaks would call 12 millimeter fry but like what we would call uh i'm pointing back at john for those of you that can't see me uh you know although do you are you a metric man john yeah yes and no <laughs> i don't know conviction. i learned more about the metric system growing up but then going to college i just kind of had to forget about it and start learning the imperial system, and I've just been confused ever since. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry, so, man. That's all right. Anyway, so like a 12 you know, slash half inch fry, when a half inch fry is perfect, uh, it's right. godly. You know what I mean? No, that's too, yeah. You know, but it's too just much. not, it's too much. Yeah. And three eighths fries are delicious. Agreed. You know what I mean? <laughs> I love a three of, I, I, I can't wrap my head around the, the thin ones. Yeah. They're super easy to get good. But For sure. I don't like them. I've never been a fan. I don't yeah. get it. No. Yeah. No. No, no, no. wasting my time. Yeah. So, and what do you? Uh, oh, we got, we got two minutes. So here's the question. Yeah. So I've never actually asked someone. Uh, I've never actually asked someone this before. Oh, good. So, burgers are a higher margin item, right? Yeah. Okay. However, you charge a lot less for them. Says who? Well, I looked at I looked at your menu. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. They cost do, a lot yeah. less. Like well, so, you know, your steak frites is yeah. a lot more than the burger. Yeah. And it costs a lot more for you. Sure. Do you are you happy when someone orders the burger or unhappy? Absolutely, really? burger's great. I'm 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 I, I mean whatever. Wouldn't put anything on there that I didn't like. That burger means a lot to me. It's very special. Yeah, I'm, I'm very well, you happy. Talk to me. It. Talk to me about the burger then. Well, you know, it's uh, you have two four ounce uh, patties, and uh, it's just sort of seasoned simply, seared on one, uh, seasoned on one side, seared on the flat top. American cheese, a little bit of sauce, I like whatever. We get a beautiful bun from these people doing called Native Bread out in Bushwick. And uh, lettuce, tomato. What kind? What kind of bun are they making? It's a potato bun. They call it the Martin's Killer. Oh yeah, yeah so like it's a, it's a yeah. Mar- another political stance w- without by the, me. Without the political, yeah. Yeah. right? Exactly. So but, let me ask you, Chris. Does it have the same uh, hyper fast browning that the Martin's did? No, it's it, it's un, it's not similar to a Martin's roll in any way, except that it's a potato bun. It's not soft and squishy. It's not all the stuff that you love and I love about that bun. But it is uh, it is it, something that I felt was an important. Uh, so, what are you getting out of the potato if it's not this soft? Is it just not stale as fast? Are they using potato or are they are they are they using like mashed potato or potato flour in it? I Do think you know? Potato flour. Yeah. I'm not sure though. Big difference between potato starch and potato flour. I use I like potato flour in my uh, Parker House rolls. Oh, that's interesting. I love, yeah, I like that. I love that. Parker House rolls. Me too. You know what Wiley's putting his sliders on? The savory Hawaiian buns. Nice. It's nice. Anyway, Homer, thanks for uh, coming. I w- I'm going to come over and see you in your restaurant. Cool. Come back thanks anytime. Hope you had a good time. Yeah, you know where to find me. Yep, cooking issues.